0: From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, getting rid of the blues.
1: I study wanted to check the color perception, actually, with between two lenses.
0: First this. You're enjoying As Seen From Here, the landmark podcast from the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, launched way back in February of 2005. Why not enjoy some of the other ASCRS offerings, including the ASCRS Symposium in Congress, the meeting to end all meetings in ophthalmology, or the ASCRS Winter Update, where you can meet one-on-one with some of ophthalmology's most important leaders in a beautiful setting. Or see the future of ophthalmology at MD, the global ophthalmic classroom brought to you by the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. If you're a resident, check out openophthalmology.com, an extensive lecture series on clinical optics. And remember, residents and fellows can join the ASCRS at no cost. But please don't do any of these things until you've enjoyed this episode of As Seen From Here. The New York Times recently ran an editorial on blue-blocking intraocular lenses in which the authors claimed that the loss of exposure to short-wavelength visible light might affect the patient's well-being. The lenses themselves are marketed as protective precisely because they block these wavelengths. Frankly, I'm skeptical of both claims, but I continue to use blue-blocking IOLs in my own practice. But I've always wondered, aside from health claims whether the patients notice that the IOL well is tinted. This question comes to the fore when a patient presents for a second cataract surgery many years after a clear IOL well has been placed in the first eye. Should I implant a clear IOL well in the second eye? What if the second eye requires a toric IOL well and clear is not an option? Sudarshan Kokar addresses cyanopsia and the patient's experience in his new study and I'm happy to welcome him as my guest today. We're going to be talking about two different hydrophobic acrylic intraocular lenses, the Alcon Acrosoft SA60 and the Alcon Acrosoft IQ SN60WF. Do these lenses differ at all in their ability to block ultraviolet light?
1: So, first thing I'd like to clear is so that I would like to call this uh, W wavefront lens as IQ lens. It's easier to remember. The ability to block the UV is not going to differ in both these lenses. And they're, they're exactly the same, up to the 400 nanometers wavelength. And this data we have got from the DFU, which is the direction for use for uh,
0: Alcon. These lenses differ in their ability to block short wavelength visible light. The, the IQ lens, the SN60WF, has a blue blocking chromophore. What is the clinical rationale for including a blue blocking chromophore in an intraocular lens? And is there any clinical evidence of a benefit to a blue-blocking chromophore in an intraocular lens?
1: No, uh, I think that's a little different question to answer because if you go into the literature, the more you search about it and more you get confused. I like to quote few studies like Dam study done by Tomney et al., which published in archives, that did, did have some positive uh, findings towards cataract extraction leading on to increased macular degeneration, one. And the other work by a huge teller at all from the Blue Mountain study also hints towards that. And thirdly, the work done by the scientist Janet Sparrow shows that the RP damage can is maximally induced by the blue light. So these were the three studies which actually tells us that if they put a blue blocking agent in the lens, uh, they might not be doing that harm to the patient. But on the other hand, if you see red studies, which says it's still equivocal,
0: Cataracts, in acquiring an amber color themselves, create some degree of dyschromatopsia. Wouldn't incorporating an amber pigment in the intraocular lens also induce dyschromatopsia? Uh,
1: okay, no. If the lens is growing with the age, the things are happening so slowly that the eyes are getting used to it and the brain is actually adapting to it. Whereas if you put an implant, it's a sudden C difference, You know, suddenly from one field to go to the other field. Okay, now the lens do start getting discolored quite early in the age, not it starts around 40-45, but if you see the study which was given by Menster itself in the sleep medicine review, which says that the blue blocking almost blocks the same amount of uh, wavelengths as a 25-year-old crystalline lens, meaning that about 25 years and a little more than that, the lens starts changing its color, so it's not suddenly it's happening, and uh, if you're going to block light with the blue blocking, which is as close to 25, according to the work of Menster, I don't think we're going to cause much harm in these eyes.
0: Which wavelengths of light are actually being blocked by these lens models?
1: What we used in our study was an IQ lens, but the one before that, they had a yellow tinted lens, which was the first one, Alcon came out with, was a natural lens so we didn't use the natural lens but they were not available to us we got this wavelength straight away okay so uh, coming back to your question now, if you see if you compare both the lenses the 80 which is a pure uv it blocks around if you say around a 400 to 475 uh, spectrum 25 21% is blocked by f- at 400 nanometer for a sa80 whereas the SN60W of IQ blocks 8. So in a nutshell, if I want to tell you, the difference in the transmittance will be at the wavelength of 400 nanometers, it's about 62% difference between both these lenses. And if you go higher up to, say, around a 475 nanometer, it becomes 23% only.
0: What question did your study seek to answer?
1: Our study wanted to check the color perception, actually, with, between two lenses. See, the problem in India is that most of these people who are applying for railways and army services they, are checked the, they initially checked the vision, color vision by the Ishiara charts, and then they put on a lantern test, which when I went to the literature, I could not find anybody using this lantern test till now. So what we did, we thought, let's put all these tests together. That means a, a Eldridge Green Lantern test, Ishiara chart, enameloscope, and the 100-hute test, and let's do all these four tests on all the patients having these two different lenses and see what comes out of it. And the other advantage of this study was because lantern test is done in a dark room, anuloscope is done in a semi-dark room, and Ishara and 100U are done with a normal light. So actually, indirectly, we were checking a mesopic, scotopic, anaphotopic vision, color vision as well. So in our study, we was just trying to find out the color perception change in these lenses, and our study was not hinting anywhere towards the ARMD.
0: Can I get you to describe the design of your study?
1: Our study was a comparative case series. What we did was we were using two pa- two groups of patients. In one group, 25 patients, we had both eyes implanted with the IQ lens and the other group we had a white UV-blocking AT lens. And all these patients after the surgery, before the surgery, they had undergone color vision testing to find out if they had any hereditary problems. Uh, all the patients with uh, proliferated diabetic retinopathy and patients on treatment like ethambutol uh, and digitalis, which can change the color uh, perception, were deleted from the study. So we took all the patients in which after the surgery the vision was six by nine unaided, and uh, the near vision with correction was coming to. N6 in most of these patients, all of these patients, actually. And that's what the study design, and we compared it at one month and three months intervals after the implantation.
0: And what were your, your results? What were your findings?
1: Okay. Now, coming to the results and findings, we uh, took 100 eyes, that means 50 patients. They were on 48 females uh, forty-eight females in that. And all patients had a good near vision, N6, with correction. Now, coming to the Ishara chart, The test, if you can read more than 17 plates, it's considered normal. And all our patients read 17 or more plates, so at one and three months. So there was no difference. And this was done under a daylight illumination. Coming to the Heidelberg's anomaloscope, in which you split the light into two halves and ask the patient to match the color of the light by mixing up two colors. And you check out the anomaly coefficient, how much amount of color he's using extra in any of these meridians to mix up. We found that there's no difference between both these lenses. And 100U test, which again is a very specific test because uh, not only the color differentiation, it gives you the polarity also. And we actually looked more into the blue zone, and we found we realized that even with 100U, there was no polarity picked up, and there was no difference in both the groups. Coming to the lantern test, which was done in the dark room at a six meter, here also both the patient, both groups could. Identify all the colors properly and they passed this test, and there was no difference at one month and three months into it.
0: Your study suggests no perceptible difference to the patient in having a blue blocking chromophore lens as opposed to having a visibly clear intraocular lens. But you mentioned that studies have suggested that the incidence of synopsia is lower in patients with yellow tinted intraocular lenses. Surely. If the patient is less synopsic, he perceives some difference between the blue blocking and the clear intraocular lens. How do you make your findings jive with those of the let's say the one at all study
1: If you pick up all the studies and if, even if you go back to the literature, when UV lenses were not used, and the people used to complain of synopsia and but then again, that was a very short lasting lasting for a week or a month, and they used to disappear. Uh, quoting about the UN study, in that also they they've came out with a conclusion saying that the synapsia was seen in some patients in the early period, that was from weeks to a month, and after three months it all disappeared. Something to do with the neuroadaptation. Uh, one study which I like to quote here is Samir et al., in which one patient, one eye, the patient had different lenses in each eye. One had a yellow and the other one was a, a clear UV lens. And the lens has to be expanded because the patient was feeling more of a, a yellow color and yellow shades in all of his work and was getting disturbed. That was the only case in which I believe the lens was expanded, in, which has been given in the literature. Quoting the Gerald study, in which they done an intra-individual comparison. And this is a study in which they, they intentionally cho- chosen separate lenses for each eye and they found that there was no difference in the clinical in the, in the color perception or contrast between in these patients now going back to marshall Sioni's work also in which they also used natural color which is natural lens which was a yellow lens with a with a uv blocking lens they also found out there is no difference in fact they used the study initially with a d15 which was more for a screening of the color vision perception but eventually they came out with the 100u test also and they realized that the, both the findings of the 100u and d15 were matching and there was no difference. And few patients had synopsis, uh, the synopsia before, but they disappeared uh, after a month. So that's why we thought that uh, they should, our patients, none of them complained of this uh, uh, blue shades anyway in the eye.
0: How might a blue-blocking chromophore improve vision by decreasing light scatter?
1: Now, this actually becomes more of a physical thing. Now, I'd just like to quote Yuan's work, and we also realize the same, that if you follow the Rayleigh's law, I MN, mean, the intensity of the scatter actually is proportional to the inverse proportional to the fourth uh, power of the wavelength. Now, if you can reduce the lower powers around 400 to 500 uh, wavelengths, can be reduced from the spectrum, it will reduce your scattering of the light and thus reducing the glare and thus improving the contrast. And the other thing which worked by Kenny et al., which was done, which found out that these yellow tinted lenses improve the reaction time by strengthening the physiological reaction of the photoreceptors. Now, this was a work which has already been published, and uh, uh, I'm not a physics guy, but according to this, we thought it's good. And most of our patients also, uh, on asking them directly on a questionnaire also, they do not have any problems about the glare, more glare in one lens versus the other. They realize that both the lenses are doing well with them.
0: In my own practice, I've been diligent about only implanting clear intraocular lenses in the second eye of patients who've received clear intraocular lenses in in their first eyes. My usual pattern is to implant blue blocking chromophore intraocular lenses otherwise. Have I been overly cautious in avoiding implanting blue blocking chromophore lenses in the second eye if the patient has a a clear implant lens in the first eye?
1: That's what I've been doing for the last uh, around four to five years. I've been use, selecting the patient with the, both eyes should have the same lens, matching lens. Uh, recently, the two, three things which changed my mind. I would, I'm putting the blue uh, blue blocking in all the patients now. First was the study by Gerald which said that even if you have two different lenses, it's not making a difference. And uh, the second thing is that most of these premium lenses which Alcon is offering us now, they're all coming on the same platform as the yellow tin. So, I thought let's switch over to this and see whether it's actually working. And, and uh, as far as my practice goes on till now, I am putting matching them all. But in few cases, if I've seen that they are the ones in which, uh, see, in India, the affordability becomes a problem now. The blue blocking lenses are a little expensive than the other ones which are given in the market here. So, sometimes it's the economics which works, and the patient decides which lens they want, right? And although we are the doctors, we just tell them, we guide them, we tell them, counsel them properly, but still it's the patient who has to decide which lens he wants in the eye. Yes, but I, if you're saying you're being extra cautious, I think uh, maybe for another couple of years we should follow that and let's see, wait for the studies to come out and then we can start using uh, maybe blue blocking for all. But right now, I think it's better to match the size. See, the few things which I was wondering now, one of the things is that all these lenses, they, they are good lenses, but they don't talk about the abe value. So Abbey value is one thing which I think uh, the lenses should mention on that. But what is Abbey value is that if you put in a certain wavelength through the lens and it comes out of the other end, what is the change in the color or what is the change in that light? So if, for example, the AMO people, they have their lenses which have, they say it's a high AB value. So I think if something technical comes out, we should try to match these also. Maybe in the diff- new studies which I'm going to do, I'm going to take this patient with both eyes having different lenses and find out what is happening. Because what Samir's study mentions was that the patient was really disturbing. I would just like to quote, I keep Traveling around in India and abroad, so wherever I have this talk on blue blocking, I always ask the audience, which usually is all the ophthalmologists around, that these people have the experience of putting different lenses in each, in each one patient? So, the answer usually is yes, but nobody has published it. So, in the last four years, four or five months, sorry, when I've been traveling around, what I realized was there were certain ophthalmologists who were operated upon by the sons who are younger ophthalmologists now. And these people had different lenses in each eye. So I sent a questionnaire to these guys to tell them, is there a difference in the color perception? And none of them, till now, had any problems. I mean they were not even aware that the other eye had a, other lens because the sun was operating. And the sun said I put it because this was a new technology offered to them by the companies. So things are changing. So I think we might, uh, in a couple of years, start using uh, more of these uh, yellow blocking. The issue about yellow is they can just reduce maybe a little more um, uh, color from that and make it a little more permeable to say around a 475 or 460, and then all the problems will get over.
0: Dr. Kokar, thank you so, so much.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Sudarshan Kokar is Professor of Ophthalmology at the Center for Ophthalmic Sciences at the All India Institute of Medical Sciences in Ansari Nagar, New Delhi, India. His paper, Comparison of Color Perception After Tinted Blue Light Filtering and Clear Ultraviolet Filtering Intraocular Lens Implantation, appears in the September 2011 issue of the Journal of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Ask questions of Dr. Kokar or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at jyoungmd at gmail.com. As seen from here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.